Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to this week's show of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and as always, guys, I'd like to welcome y'all in to this week's show. Um, as I said here this morning, recording this podcast episode, um, we are Thanksgiving Day already, folks. Um, it's hard to believe how fast the year has actually gone by. Um, you know, we Thanksgiving seems to just slide right up on to Christmas, um, and you know, every year I know as we get older, we say it moves faster and faster, but 2020, what a year it's been so far. Um, I think a lot of us are looking to move forward into 2021 and, um, you know, sitting here at Thanksgiving day. Now we've opened up duck season completely throughout Louisiana. And a lot of you have been hitting it pretty hard, just like we have over the last several days. And, uh, the reports have been really good, we have to say. Um, we mentioned if you caught last week's episode when we were over <clears throat> at our good buddy David Lemoyne's house, we mentioned that this was the first E-Zone duck season opener that we were truly excited about in the last several years. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we always get excited for opening of a new season, but... The reports that were coming out of the West Zone and the East Zone um, really had us fired up because it seems like there was some birds down as we were getting ready to open up the East Zone. And um, and what we're going to do in this week's show, guys, we're going to go ahead and recap kind of our opening weekend, kind of let y'all know where we were if, you, if you're not familiar with where we went um, when we did last week's podcast. And uh, we'll kind of recap, give you um, my take on what we saw in the field. I hunted a several different hunts this week as I've been on vacation um, from my, my full-time job in the marine business. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of recap and touch base, let you guys know what we see, see if it's matching up to what y'all are seeing out there in the field. And uh, this episode will probably be a little bit shorter than you guys are accustomed to um, because it is Thanksgiving Day today. And as I'm recording this, I got a turkey on and just like many of you do, you're preparing to have the family come over. Um, and I couldn't start out a, a new episode without on Thanksgiving, especially without giving thanks um, for and just letting, you know, looking back and, and, and you know, kind of t- discussing and touching base on what we're thankful for. Um, you know, we live in the greatest country in the world, obviously, the United States. Um, whether some people agree with that nowadays or not, there's no doubt in my mind that this is the greatest country on earth. Um, we are blessed as a nation. We are blessed as a family, personally, my family, um, as many of you probably are. And, um, you know, um, we have the freedoms and the um, ability to be able to do what we love, um, to be able to go out in our spare time and hunt like we hunt. Um, and really that none of that would be necessary without our, our armed forces and our military. So I'd like to start out this show by thanking our military first and foremost. Um, you know, what you do for our country and for us as American citizens, we can never repay you. Um, you know, every time I see a military personnel, whether, you know, especially in fatigues, um, I always try to make an effort to go up to that person and thank them for their service. Um, that's just something that my dad did. 
when I was coming up and it's something that I believe in. I'm trying to teach my boys because you don't know what they've been through. Um, you don't know what they've seen in order to sacrifice their lives to protect us as a country. So I just want to say from, you know, my family and from many of you, I'm sure you feel the same. Just a, a heartfelt thank you goes out to our, our military, both active and retired. Um, we appreciate you. We, we love you. And we couldn't do it without you. Um, you know, enjoy our freedoms that we have here on our homeland. So thank you. I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to have a, a beautiful family around me personally. My wife, my two boys, you see you see my boys, uh, especially Jackson, he's my oldest one. In a lot of our videos that we do, you know, he's on our several of the podcast episodes we've done. And uh, I'm me and my wife Amy are very blessed to have two wonderful boys um, that are healthy, that are, are good, just good-hearted individuals. And, um, you know, I feel even more blessed to have them and be able to experience my time in the outdoors with them, my passion and my love for the outdoors with them. Um, they have, you know, been brought up by a father who's an outdoorsman, but that don't mean they have to choose that path. And that's what I tell myself, you know, I don't ever want to force, force my boys to, you know, get into hunting or get into fishing or anything that they don't feel that they want to do. And uh, I've been very blessed that they've wanted to participate in those activities. And for that, I'm thankful. Um, so, you know, guys, um, I just I just want to stress, you know, that we are, are, like I said, extremely thankful. And I don't want that to go unsaid. So uh, but that's it. That's a that's something I wanted to open up the show with and just kind of, you know, fill everybody in on and i'm sure a lot of you feel the same way but uh but guys getting back over to to the hunting side of things um we opened up the east zone this past week um me and jackson went over to um central part of the state here in louisiana we, we took a trip up to marksville louisiana which is about two hours north of where we are here in gonzalez louisiana and uh, Spring Bayou is a really special place. It's a wildlife management area that's uh, based here in Louisiana. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Spring Bayou, it's 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 really it's a it's a I want to I don't want to say a, a a well kept secret, but it's a small wildlife management area that we have, one of the smallest in the state. And um, it's a place that you know me growing up in in Ville Platte, which was only an hour maybe an hour to 45 minutes away from Marksville where Spring Bayou is located. Um, I spent time there as a child hunting. Uh, my family actually had a camp there. My grandfather had purchased a camp there when I was very young and I was, you know, right around that age of about five years old. Um, and we had many, many years there where we, we spent going to the camp and, um, you know, and eventually like, like most things, uh, they stopped using it after a while because the kids were getting older and they were getting involved in sports and we were playing baseball and all that type of stuff. And the downside to, to the place we had there really for our family was that you had to go by boat uh, to be able to get to the camp. So every time you wanted to, you know, go, you had to load up, you know, all your stuff in a boat and you had to transport up, you know, launch the boat and transport it 
uh, all by vessel. So over the years, as we started getting older and getting involved in sports and all that type of stuff, I guess it was a lot harder for my, my mom and dad to be able to get us over there and, you know, and, and spend as much time. But we always visited the wildlife management area. Me and dad uh, grew up hunting. We, uh, we actually did some squirrel hunting up there as a kid. And, uh, and then we started waterfowl hunting. Um, you know, once we started branching out into a few public land hunts, we started waterfowl hunting up there. And then fast forward to, to several years, you know, when, uh, when my good fro- friend Troy Fontenot, who was on this past podcast we did last week, um, when Troy got out of the military and we started hooking back up, uh, to do some hunting, me and him and some, some of his buddies started, uh, heading over to Spring Bayou Wildlife Management Area and uh and started waterfowl hunting and this was probably i don't know um you're probably looking at 15 maybe even going on 20 years now when we had hooked back up and started hunting and at the time guys um the the waterfowl hunting was absolutely phenomenal which is kind of the story in a lot of places you know a lot of us talk about how good the waterfowl hunting was you know 10 12 15 20 years ago and that was very much the case at Spring Bayou as well. You know, before we hooked up there, Spring Bayou had went through a, uh, had went through a, uh, I guess a stage where they had had a lot of invasive species like your grass and your uh, hydrilla, salvania, and uh, water hyacinth, just like we have a lot of other places. They it had really taken over the over the lake and the the wildlife management area completely as far as the waterways went. And um, and when that happened, it made it really hard to navigate. But it also, um, with some of the, the native grass, like your, your duckweed and your um, you know your duck seed, your uh, potato grass, it, they had a lot of different variations of forage for the birds to be able to uh, to be able to go in and um, you know rest. They could eat. They had food sources. And uh, it made a phenomenal waterfowl habitat. Um, now we, you know, we kept it a secret for many, many years as best as we could between our small group of guys, especially me and Troy, that hunted together. We take maybe one or two people with us throughout the years, but we had some phenomenal hunts up there in that area. And it was always an area, you know, it was located where you had in Marksville, you have. The Red River, you have the Chafalaya River and the Mississippi River. They all kind of come through that area or not too far from that area. It's also got a lot of, uh, of agriculture, you know, so rice fields. You know, growing up in Ville Platte, Marksville, uh, you know, St. Landry Parish, Evangeline Parish, Vols, all those areas have a lot of agriculture. And, you know, rice was the main cash crop for many, many years, which it still is, you know, in a lot of the areas. But... Um, all that agriculture um, also helped contribute to the success that we were seeing years ago uh, at Spring Bayou. Um, you know, you shoot up north of the reserve, and you're only 45 minutes uh, away from Catahoula Lake. Um, Dewey Wills Wildlife Management Area, you have uh, what they call now, used to be Delta Plantation, but now Honey Break, all that area. Um, so you ha- you're in a really rich environment for waterfowl. And over the years, when we were hunting years ago, we killed, we had some very, very good public land hunts um, out of Spring Bayou. Um, it seems, you know, I know we always talk about this and we say that, but it always seemed like, you know, you had colder weather back then, too. I remember 
you know, us going overnight and sleeping because there is a campground on the premises. And we would sleep and it was freezing, freezing cold. It seemed like we had big coats. Our, you know, back then it was the big Drake jackets that we had, the four and ones and stuff like that, three and ones. And uh, I remember having to wear that very, uh, you know, very often when we would go up there. And um, it just seemed like it was a lot colder. That The recipe of the colder weather with the, uh, the habitat for the ducks and not a lot of hunting pressure as some of the other wildlife management areas at the time um, really made made it a, 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 a just one of those sweet spots that we had to hunt. And, uh, and not a ton of people besides the locals really, really knew about it. And, uh, you know, it was a great place for us to kill mallards. Um, you know, it was mallards you graze you, you know you gadwall widgeon teal wood ducks um even some of your divers like your dogrees and stuff like that i mean it really it, it, it housed everything pretty much but really you know back in the day it was a place that we could go and we would kill mallards um we had several places that we we had um that we had scouted out back then which we didn't have the the technology like we do now and we didn't have the the uh, bank accounts to be able to afford the big boats and stuff like we have now but uh we started out simple you know be honest with you it was real simple back then um you know i remember we had uh, my first boat i had where i take there was uh actually a bass boat i had a i had a sprint bass boat that i had bought for twenty five hundred dollars from from a friend of mine and uh i didn't have a duck boat at the time i didn't have a p-rog or nothing like that because you know, just the funds were low back then. Didn't have full-time jobs. Uh, that, that's before, we were in college at the time. Um, some of us were, like I said, Troy was right out of the military. Um, and I remember taking my, my 17 and a half foot sprint bass boat and uh, trying to get back to some holes in the spring bayou. And I would take burlap, uh, you know, camouflage burlap or something that was camo, and I'd cover my whole boat pretty much. Um, and we'd make hunts there. We'd park it in, in the trees and we'd, you know, walk in with our waiters and do some walking hunts. And, uh, I can't tell you how many birds we put up on the deck of that boat, as well as, uh, you know, little John boats that we had. We had at one point we had, we, we had a, a duck boat we were able to get. And, uh, I had a little 14 foot flat boat, 1436 with a 9.9 .9 mercury on it. And, uh, and we did a lot of hunts out of that boat. We were able to get into some, uh, shallower water areas um we had a, a place in particular that w we termed devil's den and it basically was a was a timber hole that kind of had a little open water in the back of it and it butted up to some uh, agricultural property that um you know a family owned from the marksville area and guys that we, we called it devil's den for a reason it was it was unbelievable the amount of malice that would come into that hole if you had a good a good cold you know sunny day um those mallards once they would start shooting in those ag fields they would get up out of those fields or even if they weren't necessarily hunting them you know because they didn't always hunt them um this family doesn't necessarily always waterfowl hunt they're not a they, they do make hunts throughout the season but they're not you know regulars with it but uh, those mallards would come out of those fields from Eden, and they wanted to just sit and rest in the reserve and loathe. And they would come into this spot, this devil's den spot that I'm talking about. And uh, it, it was phenomenal, the amount of birds, and to see the action that we got in that hole. And uh, we, we hunted that hole for, you know, several years. 
and it was always a race to see who could get to that hole uh being public land because like i said the locals did know about it but uh we kept even though we kept it a secret and kept it real quiet between our peers um you know the locals did know about it you know uh, because it was it was there in their backyard so we hunted that hole as often as we could it was it was a magical hole for us as far as uh public land hunting went we we killed birds there just about every time we hunted um there's not many hunts that i can recall where we didn't kill birds in in that hole and um and you you know nowadays that the hole's still there um but it's it's very very chalked up with uh grass now it's just not what it once was as is many places that we all hunt um so it is it has definitely um changed over the years and you've heard me mention that before. You know, you hunt public land. It is something that, um, you know, you have to do your scouting on public land. Even even reserves that we hunt on a regular basis because Mother Nature changes year to year and changes the surroundings year to year. Um, you know, that hole, the Devil's Den hole that I was referring to, it, over the years it just, it continued, it, it, it gradually changed and gradually changed and we could see it declining. Um but we continued to hunt it as much as we could. And uh, we haven't, you know, even though we hunt the reserve, we haven't really hunted that hole in, uh, you know, probably five years, I'd say, that I haven't personally hunted it. But every time I make a trip up there, we uh, we go and we check out that hole because of the past history that we had in there. And it's so funny how, how us as hunters and human nature, we do that, you know. Uh, even though it's declined, we still go back and kind of check on them because, like I said, Mother Nature changes things year to year. Um, and you can hunt, you know, but it's not what it was at one time because of the grass that has taken over. But uh, but getting back to just Spring Bayou in general, guys, we, we took a trip last week, like I said, opening weekend. We, we headed up to uh, Marksville to Spring Bayou. We went visit um, our good buddy David Lemoyne who lives up there. And David's really got a hell of a setup um, he's a, he's a friend that we met through a friend that has become, um, a lifelong friend. He enjoys waterfowl hunting just like as much as we do. Uh, and just like many of you, um, and David is a retired veteran, uh, from the military. So, uh, thank you to David. Um, you know, on this Thanksgiving day, I just want to say that because I know David listens to the show and we had David on this past weekend and he got on with us on the podcast when we were up there in Marksville. And uh, had a lot of good insight on public land hunting. So I, I appreciate that feedback um, that he gave on the show. But uh, we went up there. We met David. David has a spread, guys. He, uh, you know, David, like I said, he's retired. And he's, he's really skillful with woodworking and, and just, you know, building stuff and that type of stuff. And what he did is right outside the gates of the wildlife management area, a lot of people have little homes and um, camps there. And uh, David purchased a spread there years ago um and he built a home um a lot of the the homes there are lifted up because it, it's a low-lying area so they do they do get some rain and some flooding sometimes and david built a really nice setup for his home on some stilts um has an outdoor area um and it, but the, the property that he has extends out to the side of his home and uh i'm not sure exactly the acres but he has what he did was he basically went and uh, he acquired two two nice campers um, on the property, and he built a pavilion over the campers. He has a little cleaning station out there. He has a boat shed where you could park a boat underneath to charge batteries, charge decoys, that type of stuff. 
and uh and he rents the, he rents them out is what he does so anytime you want to take a trip up to spring bayou um you know just message us and we could get you in touch with david he has really really affordable rates on them um and i'm talking nice well-kept very clean campers accommodations to sleep um whether you want to hunt or whether you want to go fishing um david has a setup there located literally right outside the gates of the wildlife management area um for you to have sleeping accommodations and you know running water power uh satellite tv inside the campers i'm talking it's 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 not it's not roughing it by any means um great place to take a kid um if you want to take a kid hunting with you or fishing or you know if it's during the summer you want to go he rents them out as well and uh there's there's phenomenal fishing up there at spring bayou nowadays so um he'll rent it out to people who want to come in and go fishing with their families and just stay overnight um and it's it's a it's a really nice setup but we went up there and we stayed with david last weekend which we do now it's become an annual deal for uh, me and troy and jackson pretty much he, he comes with us now um and we stayed with david and david always uh, you know when we rent a, a, a place with david he always treats us to a uh, a dinner that they cook on a friday night the night before opening day and uh we 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 cooked a a, a mess of ducks that david slow cooked in the slow cooker this past weekend and uh you talk about really really delicious and and, and good but he slow cooked a, a, a crock pot of ducks for about eight to ten hours and we uh we deboned them or he deboned them actually and um we uh we served them up on some hoagie rolls with some uh you know with some side dishes and some cold beverages and watched football and uh that's kind of become a, a big tradition like i mentioned uh, over the last several years since we've all got to know each other and uh you know you go up there david will definitely take care of you so i highly recommend it if you want to take a trip over to spring Bay, you want to kind of explore um some new hunting ground or some new fishing areas it's a great place to go but uh but what about the waterfowl hunting huh so you know friday morning um we or i'm sorry saturday morning we uh we had kind of scouted out which we hunted every year so we we kind of know areas that we want to you know zone in on and and, and kind of you know look at hunting so we had an idea of where we wanted to go and where we wanted to set up for opening day um and what we did was we usually get there on a Friday. We'll do a little bit of scouting. We'll go check it out just to check water levels and stuff like that. Um, and that's what we did. Um, you know, Troy got there before me and Jackson, and he uh, he took a look around and went went check everything out. And uh, we, we decided to set up on a main uh, body of water for opening morning um, in the area that we call T-Lock is the name of it. And... Uh, and in the past, we've made some hunts there because what I do find, and, and if this helps you guys out, if you ever make a trip out there, especially early in the, in the year, is uh, if I could give you any advice or any tips, I would tell you that it seems like it's spring by you um, in the first, first split. A lot of the birds that do move in tend to like the big, big water, open water areas. Um, there's a lot of creeks, main bayous, and channels that run throughout the reserve and those birds hit those main channels and they'll fly uh, down those channels and literally use them as highways basically to uh, to navigate to where they're going or where they're going to feed or rest. And uh, we, we set up in an area called T-Lock, um, which wasn't too far from where David is. 
what's kind of unique about Spring Bayou is, it, I say unique, There's you're starting to see a lot of it now. There's a lot of parts and management areas now throughout Louisiana where you will have some leased land that butts up to it. Um, so David actually leases out a, a portion, um, you know, inside the management area that is basically in the management area. It's surrounded by management area. But there's this one track or ridge of woods and, you know, where it's considered a lease. And kind of the way it come, does is it comes out into the waterway a little bit. And uh, and on that lease area, um, he could actually put a, a permanent blind, which he has over the years. He has a, a nice big blind that's set up there. Um, he's, you know, discovered a portion. That lease just happens to be in a spot where... A lot of these birds come through. A lot of these birds uh, use it as a travel area, and they they draw right into that area for some reason. So, um, you know, he's he has a lot of successful hunts in, on his blind because those birds tend to travel to that area where he, ha- he is set up at, and uh, he has some really good hunts out there. Uh, but you know, right around it is all wildlife management area, like I mentioned, and. Where we hunted for opening morning in T-Lock, the area known as T-Lock, we were, I'd say, probably four or five football fields from where David was located at. And uh, we could see each other's decoys down the way if you had a set of binos with you, you know. Um, So even though we were on public land and he's on private land, we were kind of sharing some of the same waters. Um, Now, an advantage he has of being on private is he's able to leave decoys out year-round which he does. He has his decoys uh, set up and, you know, out year round. Um, and you know, it's, it's just a, it's a nice convenient hunt for him because he can leave his house, you know, at whatever time before shooting hours and take a 10 minute boat ride. And he's in his blind to where as public hunters, you know, we have to pretty much leave at four o'clock, you know, you, you up waiting at the launch at four o'clock. Once four o'clock hits, we are racing to our areas to try to get uh, to try to get our spots that we want to hunt, um, just like it is on any other wildlife management area. So that's what we did on opening morning. We left. Uh, we were in the water, ready to go at the launch at four o'clock. We left at four o'clock, uh, and we ran up to to T Lock to our spot that we wanted to, and we set up. And in the years past, we we you know these big water areas that we hunt, we've put out quite a bit of decoys as much as uh you know as much as 200 decoys in some years um and guys that'll wear you out if you hunt public land you know that putting up 200 decoys having to uh put that out with motion decoys and then you know at the end of the day you wore out and you have to pick up that that could wear you out but we uh we decided this year we were going to put out a lot less decoys and we were going to use more motion so over the year, over the last year, since last season, we've made some uh, some efforts to purchase more water motion decoys. I'm a big fan of water motion decoys. Uh, not so much necessarily a mojo, traditional mojo spinner wing, but more water motion. So uh, pulsators, lucky duck dabblers, stuff like that. Stuff that moves the water around your spread. Uh, and I made an effort over the off season to purchase, you know, several new decoys that moved a lot of water um because we joked about it me and Charles were talking we said you know the last several weeks leading up to opening day of uh duck season in the east zone the wind was blowing squirrel season it seems like it blows 
throughout the whole season pretty much every day, which you don't want it like that for squirrel season, but it seems like you get a lot of that. Come duck season, it seems like the wind seems to die down for some reason. And sure enough, it wasn't any different. I, what we joked about was very true because opening morning, the wind was just, I mean, it was non-existent. You had no wind whatsoever. You're hunting open water. It's flat. It looks like glass, um, you know, and you got to have some kind of movement, jerk string, water movement decoys, something that's going to move that water to be able to draw them in. So we, we had a nice spread. We set out about uh, two and a half to three dozen regular decoys. And besides that, we had about um, oh shit, almost, a you know, 10 or 12 motion decoys in our spread um, that we used. And we took a look at it. It looked very, very realistic. And, uh, and uh, you know, daybreak came and we not a lot of wood duck action, which that's something that I've seen this year. Don't seem like in the, uh, the management areas that I've hunted so far this week since we've opened that there's a ton of wood ducks. Um, at my home here in Gonzales, Louisiana, I, I'm set up uh, in an area where there's usually a lot of wood duck movement in the afternoons and the mornings. And I will sit out on my back porch and some years watch up to 100 wood ducks in the afternoon fly over my home uh, to a wooded area behind the home. And this year, I have to tell you that uh, we are not seeing a whole lot of wood ducks at all here at home. Um, you know, I talked about that. I mentioned that to a couple of my buddies I hunt with. And they all kind of said that they agreed. They, there didn't seem to be very many wood ducks this year for some reason. And uh, I can tell you that was the case in Spring Bayou. Spring Bayou is usually an area where, you know, open a weekend, you're good for some, some wood ducks, even in open water, because they cross across those, those bayous uh, to get to where they, they're going and they travel that way. And we'll get, you know, a couple of young wood ducks typically that'll lock up on a spread, come in. You know, we're able to take, you know, put a few on the strap. But it, it wasn't the case this year. The wood duck flight on opening morning for us only lasted about 10 minutes, it seemed like, you know. Not a lot of numbers of wood ducks. Um, and then since then, you know, the hunts that I've made, it's kind of been the same story. Um, but anyway, um, you know, that's something that we just noticed. And this year is a little different. It just seems like the the wood ducks aren't in the big numbers that they usually are, at least where we've hunted at so far and here at home. Uh, but it was kind of weird. Opening morning, um, if you guys check out our Facebook page and our Instagram page, we have some vlogs, some little videos that we did, shooting from the duck blind, kind of giving you guys a, a view of what we were looking at. And uh, it was the weirdest thing. Like I said, no wind. Um not a big wood duck flight to kind of get you, your day started and your bag started with a few wood ducks coming in. And at about 7.30 in the morning, after having a completely clear night, it was the weirdest thing. We had a big fog move in on our body of water that we were hunting. And if you look at the video, go check out the video that we posted on Facebook. I mean, it was a white wall of fog just sitting on the water in front of us. So we could hear birds flying. And you could hear them moving, but you couldn't see them. They, they couldn't see the decoys. They were struggling to see the spreads. Even though we had water movement, we had a few come in through the fog, but they were, they were kind of buzzing the outside of the decoys. Uh, and that fog stayed on the water for us on opening morning for about an hour to an hour and a half. So the way I look at it is that we lost basically an hour, hour and a half opening morning 
of prime time, you know, early morning action, being able to see some birds uh, and have a chance to kill birds, you know. Um, and I'm not saying birds won't come into the fog. They just weren't that boring. They were kind of, the few that we would come in, they would, like I said, they would buzz the outside of the decoys and they were, they were hightailing it somewhere else. So, you know, 745, we sitting there, we don't have a bird on the strap yet. We're, we're very disappointed. And then it seems like, uh, you know, the fog just kind of lifted. That sun finally got high enough to where it burned off. And once the sun got above the trees, it burned off the fog rather quickly. Um, and once that happened, we started seeing some movement and some birds kept moving around a little bit better. Um, and we ended up, you know, we ended up shooting. We had some opportunities to where, you know, we could have had a few more birds than we had. But we, uh, you know, opening day, we weren't shooting as good as we probably normally would. We hadn't shot in a while. And uh, we missed a few opportunities. But... We also made a couple of good shots. The birds were acting real funny on opening morning fuss. Like I said, they were floating and skirting outside of the decoys a lot. Um, so we had it. We had it. We got to a point where we looked at each other. and We said, "Look, they don't really want to decoy well. It seems like we're gonna have to take some shots at them." You know, like you know, we don't, we don't believe in sky busting. We want to take ethical shots, you know, as best as possible whenever we're hunting. But at the same time, when they're skirting the outside edge of the decoys, you guys know. You have to you have to make a call. You either have to make an adjustment on the decoys, um, or you're gonna have to start pulling up and taking some some shots, you know. And we made that the decision, you know, that the spread wasn't the problem so much from what we could see because birds weren't exactly flaring off of the spread. It's just that they seemed to be flying more of the middle of the channel of the body of water we were flying, so which was you know, we were tucked in on a bank on a on a ridge uh, of cypress trees. And uh, they were kind of just staying away from the edge of the, the, the tree line, you know, the ridge. So, which I understand, you know, they, they're probably wary of that. And that was the situation. So we left the decoy spread alone because it wasn't something that we seen that they were just flaring off of something. Um, it wasn't, didn't seem like the motion decoys were scaring them a whole lot. They just were staying off. Um, so we started taking a few shots and that's when we started dropping a few birds. We started shooting a little bit better. Um, as it went on, we were focused in on, you know, I guess we were kind of trying to get, get a bird down and we had a, uh, we had a couple of gray ducks come in, um, uh, and we were able to knock down a couple of gray ducks. And then we had a few teal that came in and we were able to knock down a few teal. So we ended up, you know, staying until about 11 o'clock opening day. Um, we, we saw, uh, you know, we saw a mixed bag. It seemed like it was mainly grays. Um, you had a little bit of wood ducks that morning. You had green wing teal, which is nice to see green wing teal show up early uh, because the last couple of seasons, early split, we haven't seen green wing teal in the reserves. We hunt a whole lot. They haven't been in big numbers. Uh, you know, so we started to see some groups of teal. We knocked down some teal. And, uh, and, and you know, it was good to see that, that you know, factor into our strap and our day that day. So, to be honest with you guys, we were kind of disappointed with the first day, the opening day, especially being an opening day. Normally, we're, we're shooting limits of birds on opening day. And, you know, we had three of us, Jackson's 11, you know, but, you know, we still count. That's a that's a limit of birds. And we weren't we weren't exactly at a three-man limit. So uh, we were, you know, kind of, kind of bummed out. We were kind of disappointed with it. And uh, 
we we went back to the camp. We uh we we cleaned our birds that we had, and we uh, we kind of regrouped, you know, for the next day. So we started, you know, looking at the map. We got on on X and uh, we kind of looked at an area that is often bypassed. But the reason we looked at this area going into day two is when we were coming out after that first hunt on opening morning. Um, we were headed back to the launch and we hit an area where we started jumping up some big groups of birds. And it's an area that we've been through many times before throughout the years. And you don't see a bunch of birds rafted up or, you know, in that area many times. But as we were coming out, they had a lot of birds that we were jumping up off the water. And we were, we jumped up some big groups of gadwall. Uh, we jumped up a group of mallards and we jumped up a group of, uh, it looked like some, you know, maybe dogree or something like that. Uh, some kind of diver duck. And, uh, I looked at Troy coming out and I said, Hey, I said, you know, we need to look at this spot on the map. Uh, because they got birds that are here and they're here for a reason. Uh, whether they were there, you know, um, resting or feeding, uh, we weren't real sure, but we started thinking about it when we went through that area there was a lot of lily pad fields that were there it's an area that don't usually have that but this year um with it being warm the lily pads are still there to some extent and what it looked like is that those birds were landing in those lily pad fields and they were feeding in there um and i told troll i said hey i said i think those birds are feeding in those lily pad fields um and that's why they in there you know, we don't, every season we don't have lily pads there like we saw today. And uh, we said, okay, we made a determination that we were going to we were gonna hunt that area on Sunday. And that we were going to go ahead and uh, set up. So, we, like I said, we pulled up on X. We looked at kind of uh, the location where we saw the birds at and versus where we could set up a blind, which would be a good intersection point. Because what those birds will do is they would hit that main drag of water fly up that drag of water and hit those lily pad fields and they were landing in those lily pad fields so that's what we did we regrouped we went out uh on sunday morning we left a little bit later uh we didn't have to leave quite as early that morning because we were hunting a little closer to where we were launching at and uh and we hunted uh we set up in an area that was kind of a, a pinch point i guess you could say it was a uh, it was where it bottlenecked down from the open water down to the bayou that they were using as a navigation point um and we kind of set up off of a cypress tree there put up the blind put out our decoys uh, same amount of decoys we used on the second day and uh same motion decoys we used we kind of put them we were we wanted to we wanted to set up more in the middle of the uh of the water as opposed to getting back in the timber on the tree line on the ridges so we did that because the day before, like I said, we noticed they were landing, you know, or they were trying to fly the outskirts of the decoys. So this setup put us more in the middle, um, and it bottlenecked down to where it hit a it hit a bayou where they were traveling, and uh, we that really paid off for us to be honest with you because what what they were doing is exactly what we thought they would do. They would come either from the open water and hit the bottleneck where we were. And they would fly to bayou or they would come down the bayou where it was narrower and hit the open water. So it was kind of, they were kind of going, crossing each other, going back and forth, coming from the left and coming from the right. And on Sunday, the green wing teal really showed up. There was groups. We were seeing a wads of 15, you know, 10, 12, 
um, you know, maybe even 20 in some groups that were flying the, you know, the waterway where we were, and we were able to, uh, we were able to, to knock some down, and, and the, you know, the green wing teal was kind of the story that day. Um, we didn't see as many gadwall on day two, which those of you who have been hunting the first split, a lot of areas were reported when the season opened, gadwall. Gadwall was the story. A lot of gray ducks. Um, you know, I made a, ch a hunt with Charlie Perilou, who's a, who's a friend of mine, uh, from Hammond, Louisiana, and Charlie hunts the Biloxi Marsh down around Shell Beach, and we went down there last week. Um, it was a Monday, and we absolutely hammered the gray ducks down there, and that's all it was was gray ducks and model ducks, um, and that was kind of the story for the first few days of the opener was gray ducks, gray ducks, gray ducks. We thought going into Spring Bayou uh, opening weekend, that's what we were going to kill was gray ducks, you know, and I'll take that all day long. Uh, I love hunting, you know, gadwall. It's just like a mallard to me, the way they work a lot of times. Um, and it's just, a, it's a good eating duck. And I, and hell, I love filling up a strap of gadwall. So we were expecting that. And, and, and honestly, it turned out to be the opposite. Uh, like I said, green wing tails was the story for us for the most part. Uh, we did kill some gadwall mixed in, you know, but it was a lot of green wing teal. And we ended up, uh, well, I say green wings. We had, we actually had blue wings, too. A lot of blue wings still around. Um, teal, just in general. So, David over at his blonde, he was he had some good groups of blue wings come in. He was able to limit out on uh, on uh, blue wing teal, pretty much. And uh, we were able to put some limits together on Sunday, which was very, very nice to see. Um, a, lot of, a lot of teal in the area. So, overall... Guys, it you know it wasn't a, a, a disappointing, a complete wash for opening weekend. Um, like I said, it seems like the teal are down right now. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are seeing them as just like we are from the reports of the guys that I know that I've talked to that hunt on a regular basis. They seeing a lot of teal right now too. Um, the gray ducks have kind of pushed out in, in at least the areas that we hunt. Uh, not completely, but the big numbers of them have kind of pushed out. I did talk to Charlie over the weekend. He had went back to the Biloxi Marsh, and he said the numbers of gray ducks just weren't there like they were the week before. Um, you know, but that's just that's just a couple of reports. That could be different in other areas, you know, where you may be hunting. Um, but I can tell you that uh, the teal are down right now, um, and I'm sure many of you are seeing it if you're making hunts right now. Um, so we, overall, like I said, I would rate opening weekend for us here in the E-Zone where we hunted up in Marksville. I'd say it was probably a solid, uh, you know, 6 or 7 out of 10. Um, not the best opening weekend we've ever had, but not definitely not the worst opening weekend we've had either. Uh, we were able to put birds on the strap. We cleaned a lot of birds uh, to put in the freezer. And uh, overall, like I said, we, we had a great time. Um, Jackson got to do a lot of shooting this year, and I have to tell y'all guys, I have to brag, I'm impressed with him. He's come such a long way as a, as a hunter over the last few years as a waterfowl hunter. He is, you know, absolutely ate up with it right now, um, as he, you know, most of us were when we got into the sport and you, you were able to, to, to actually start hunting on your own. Um, uh, man, we had a, we had a teal come in and he was, he was on the edge of the, the boat that we were hunting out of. And he was looking up toward the open body of water I mentioned, and they had a they had a green wing teal come down, fly a foot off of the water. Me and Troy never saw it, 
and it landed right on the edge of uh, our decoy spread or pretty much in the decoy spread with uh, one of our motion ducks and sat down right there and he says oh he says uh duck and we look over to the left and this this teal sits down and just looks at us and kind of freaking out and jumps up off the water and as soon as it jumps off all the water jackson picks up and shoots and just folds it and that's his second bird that he shot in the last two seasons off of the wing because most of the time you know we try to let him get the water swats we'll let him you know bird lands in the decoys it's his you know first and uh this bird jumped up off the water this little teal and he he popped it man so i was i was so happy for him troy was high-fiving him and it makes it makes him you can just see the excitement in his face whenever that happens you know uh so i can't tell you as a father how proud i am of him and uh he's he's evolving man as a hunter and um it's it's awesome to see and be a part of it i'm glad and I'm thankful that we have that that opportunity to hunt together like that. Um, you know, I, I try to take off. I took vacation this week of Thanksgiving. Uh, I try to do that every year because, hey, hey you know, it, it coincides with my family being off. My wife's a teacher. My, my boy's out of school at that time. And it also goes hand in hand with duck season opening up in the E-zone for us usually. So it's a great time. We could spend some time with the family. We could also do a lot of hunting. Uh, you know, with the boys because they're off of school and it just works out real well, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, but did make another trip out. Uh, we, me and Jackson went out yesterday. So uh, basically we came back on Sunday from opening weekend, drove back, came back to Gonzales, uh, and then we took a uh, day off on Monday. The weather wasn't real great uh, Monday. Or it wasn't supposed to be real great, let me say that. We woke up, it was uh, sun was shining. Uh, which kind of surprised us because the weather kind of got pushed back and it moved in a little bit later than what they expected. But uh, we took Monday off, and then on Tuesday um, we made a hunt. We, me and Jackson, went over to the uh, to the camp where, or over to the wildlife management area, Sherburn Wildlife Management Area, where we have a camp at. You hear us talk about it on the show quite a bit that we have a lot of hunting experiences in Sherburn, and that's because we have a camp there. So what we did. Uh, we we they have a they have a specific hole that's that's basically it's a it's a uh, a community hole that is in Sherburn wildlife wildlife management area that uh I've hunted many many times over the years but it's a, it's one of those spots that has become with the influx in waterfowl hunters and the influx in you know people hunting public land that you have to get there basically the day before sometimes to hunt this hole or you know really really early let me say that and having him over the last few years with me and, and you know bringing a kid with you it's not ideal situation to go like we used to do um when it was just me and sleep in a truck overnight and do all that type of stuff just to try to get an opportunity to hunt a, a specific hole so we've kind of tried to go around all that crowd trying to get to this specific hole and guys look i gotta be honest with you it's not this magical hole that you know that you guaranteed to kill ducks in for sure but it is a hole that uh that produces some uh, some good some good straps of birds and, and it's not far from our camp so um my wife said hey why don't y'all go sleep at the camp tonight and uh that way y'all will be there in the morning and you can uh go hunt and i said yeah so that's fine so what we did was we left uh monday night um and probably about nine o'clock and we we drove over to the uh to the reserve 
And I told Jackson, I said, hey, why don't we uh, why don't we go pass by the staging area and see if anybody's in line? I said, I bet you there's somebody in line uh, already. So we went and we drove over to where the staging area is and there was nobody parked yet. And now this was at, you know, 7.30, 7.45 in the, in the uh, evening, you know. So I, I was kind of surprised. I said to myself, I said, well, if nobody's parked there, they probably didn't kill over the weekend a whole lot of birds out of there. But Jackson has been asking to hunt this hole for the last two or three years. Dad, I want to hunt this hole. I want to hunt this hole. And we never would because, you know, we just didn't want to get in line that early and make it a miserable experience being dead tired, you know, for, for a 10 year old and a nine year old when he was nine. Um, but we drove up the other night, nobody's there. And he kind of looked at me and I looked at him and I said, well, I said, what do you want to do? I said, we have a camp five minutes up the road right here that we could, you know, sleep. We could go hunt the hole that we were planning on hunting tomorrow, or we, we could, you know, stay in line and try to hunt or get in line and try to hunt this left hole we'll hunt the left hole because we got it if we want it and he looked at me and he said dad he said uh he said i'm good he said let's stay right here uh and we'll, we'll just sleep in the truck i said you sure and he said yeah he said that's fine with me so i did it old school guys i'm 41 years old now and uh i did it like we used to do before i had kids we uh we got we parked our truck right at the staging area. We were the first in line. I had the boat already hooked up with all the decoys ready to go. And uh, and we stayed in line and we slept overnight in that spot uh, in the truck ready to get that hole the next morning. And uh, as, as I mentioned, it's a hole that usually you'll have somebody show up real early. That night it just happened to be us uh, out of our minds that, that decided to do this kind of on the whim. But uh, like I mentioned, we got there about 7.45. And, uh, you know, about 8.30, 8.45, Jackson says, Dad, I got to piss. I'm gonna, he steps out of the truck, opens up the door. And sure enough, they had another truck parked right behind us with a boat. So if we would have been there an hour later, we wouldn't have had the first opportunity to hunt that hole. Um, and I have to say, you know, at Sherbin, we got a real good, a real good community over there of hunters um it's changed over the years we've been hunting many years and uh now we have a little staging area that we all have to stage up at um uh, but everybody seems to be for the most part very respectful of each other and i'm, I'm thankful for, for that as well um uh, i've met a lot of guys over the years that we've hunted uh, the reserve together we've hunted some of those same spots and it seems like every year we see each other you know when the season opens even though we don't talk and you know throughout the year um to necessarily everybody we we end up running into each other every year and uh it seems like it's kind of like a brotherhood you know um so that's that's pretty cool and that's one of my favorite things about hunting public land but uh we uh we hooked the guy who pulled in behind us that night was a guy that we've met uh last year and he usually is one of the ones that shows up early and gets that gets that that spot we wanted to hunt and he said, man, he said, what time did y'all get here? And I said, we got here about an hour ago. And he was laughing. And he said, yeah, he said, I, he said, I came, get in line. And uh, he said, my dad's going to be making a hunt with me tomorrow. He said, we don't get to hunt together that often. He said, but he's going to drive in in the morning and, and come hunt with me. So he asked me, so where you, where you want to hunt? I said, I want to hunt this back left hole, which he, he figured that's where I was going to go. And I said, where, where are you going to go? And he said, well, I'm going to hunt this other hole. And 
that way we kind of knew where each other were were you know and that way if you ever have an emergency uh you kind of know where where the people are you know and where you have another person to possibly help out if needed you know um so we slept in the truck that night uh we woke up at about three o'clock we set the alarm in the truck for about three o'clock and we got up and uh got out started kind of stretched you know brushed our teeth we had our overnight bag with us brushed our teeth kind of drank you know a little bit of water put our waders and our, our gear on went to the back of the boat and checked all that stuff out got ready to go and then uh they had a couple of other hunters show up right behind him that came check it out and they said hell you know we wanted to hunt this back left hole um, but obviously we didn't get here in time so they said we're going to go on down the road and hunt another hole so not as many hunters as i thought there would be for monday because usually during thanksgiving week a lot of people are off and especially like your high school hunters and your college guys that hunt they off and they're out of school so they'll come make a trip out and hunt but uh it ended up being just us two trucks that morning and uh we went out yesterday or that morning and we hunted and uh we had a just not a whole lot of movement to be honest with you there wasn't a lot of wood ducks like i mentioned earlier not a big wood duck flight whatsoever which is odd for over there as well uh, we had a group of teal that came in and buzzed from behind us they came in they hit the, the uh the opening where we were and they uh i hit the call made they made a hard bank to the right came back around went behind the cypress tree we were set up on circled back in and this was right before shooting time where it's real it's you know it's kind of tough to see we're hunting all around with a timber hole so it's all you know ridges around us so what these teal did was they hit the they hit the area on the pass and they banked off and boy they cupped right in they just landed on the outside of the decoys well when they hit the outside of the decoys they dropped below those trees i couldn't see them because it wasn't light enough yet to where i could see them real well and i, I asked jackson i said hey they, they there i said can you see them and he said no not not real good so i was looking for some kind of ripple you know where i could see them swimming and uh it took about i don't know about it seemed like five minutes or so before i could uh before i could see them and i finally saw a ripple where one was moving and i went ahead and i, I said okay i'm gonna pick up we're gonna shoot because we might be able to knock you know three or four keep three or four down on the water so we went ahead counted down to three and we shot me and jackson and a couple of them jumped up and they went to the back you know away from us and uh i asked him i said how many did we get can you see and he said i think we only got one and sure enough the one that we shot was kind of secluded by itself to where the group was a little bit tighter to the right side but we couldn't see those birds so we went ahead we shot and we only got one out of the group but you know we were like hell it starts off the day that's pretty good um but after that it really slowed down a lot there wasn't a whole lot of movement we had another group of probably 15 or 20 blue wings buzzed buzzes they came in made a circle and then they uh they kind of just stayed along the ridge and hit the ridge and went away from us um so they never actually committed to the decoys uh besides that migrating birds moving birds up top there was hardly nothing at all so uh so you know it's it's one of those things that uh it was a day where there just wasn't a lot of movement for us uh yes you know when we hunted that day so we ended up bagging only one bird on that hunt um and then you know obviously we came home for um for the day we got everything ready to go again we got it all charged up and ready to go and uh we said okay 
We're going to look at this weather forecast because the rest of the week, this week, don't look real good. Today, it's nice and sunny, but it's Thanksgiving Day. And we didn't want to hunt. Um, you know, we got family coming over to, to uh, you know, from out of town. So I'm in charge of the turkey and, and mom is in charge of the rest of the cooking. So we're going to spend time with the family today, just like many of you are. Um, and then we're going to try to get a game plan together for the weekend because we did talk to our buddy David uh, yesterday and he said he plans on hunting this weekend. So we may we may make a trip back up to Marksville this weekend depending on what the weather does or we may hunt locally. Um, the only downside for us is that at Sherburn we can't hunt the camp and the reserve because it's either sex. So, uh, you know, you got to share public land with the, with the deer hunting guys as well. Um, I'm not mad at that at all. I mean, I understand how it is. They got a passion just like we have a passion. And uh, and that's a big weekend for a lot of you who deer hunt either sex weekend. So uh, when the either sex comes around at our place uh, at Sherburn, you cannot waterfowl hunt. It basically, it's kind of weird at Sherburn. We, we waterfowl hunters, we kind of get the raw end of the deal on that one over there at Sherburn because we basically lose most of the first split due to either sex deer hunting um, going on to where we cannot waterfowl hunt. So you have to look for outside areas to uh, to, to go to and make hunts, uh, whether it be Indian Bayou, which is located right there in Henderson, or like I said, us making a trip back up to Marksville to hunt this weekend. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get a game plan together and try to get Jackson about one or two more hunts before he heads back to school. Uh, but on Monday, I plan on uh, I'm off on Monday as well, so I plan on being uh somewhere because we have a big big cold front coming in and next week looking at the extended forecast it's going to be uh highs in the 50s lows in the 30s uh maybe even the high 20s uh, on a night or two so i'm hoping that pushes a lot of birds in next week and uh and does you know does us a lot of good so got a lot a lot to look forward to uh like i said first split has been uh you know i'd say above average of what it's been over the last couple of years uh, i'm not gonna say excellent i'm not gonna say it's the best i've seen but it's definitely better than it has been the last couple of years um so i'm sure a lot of you are excited um but that that's that's a, that's our hunts in a nutshell guys that's what we've been seeing um that's our experiences kind of some stories about what we did over this week of uh being on vacation with duck season and opening up here in louisiana and you know if you guys are have tuned in to the end i want to thank you for tuning in to the show as always um uh, you know, I always thank our sponsors. I try to make an effort. Um, you know, Beaver Creek Game Calls, Patrick Irkfitz over at Beaver Creek Game Calls. Uh, if you're in the market, guys, for a custom-made duck call, I know there's a million companies out there making them now. But look these guys up, Beaver Creek Game Calls, uh, beavercreekgamecalls.com. Patrick Irkfitz will build you and design you a duck call that you want, color scheme-wise, uh, he makes a phenomenal custom-made duck call, and that's what we blow in the blind. And I have to say, since I've come across their calls, I've, I've, I've really never took it off my lanyard. I'm impressed with it. Um, he's an excellent guy. He's a small business owner, and uh, he will he will uh, give you excellent customer service. Also, Anchor FM, uh, who is our podcast host, um, we could not do it without Anchor. Um, they do everything from distributing it to all our, our streaming platforms, such as Apple, Spotify, um, and gets the podcast out to you guys to be able to listen to. Um, so shout out goes to anchor.fm. If you ever wanted to get into the podcast game, guys, check out anchor.fm. Um, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. I have to be honest with you, but 
Guys, I hope y'all have a happy, happy Thanksgiving today. Spend time with your loved ones. If you're in the woods hunting, I hope you get home safely. Uh, we have a lot to be thankful for, as we talked about. And uh, I know I do, and my family uh, has a lot to be thankful for. But more, to, more importantly, thank God, the big man up above, we couldn't do it without him. Until next time, guys, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors wishing you the best. We'll see y'all in the outdoors.